day was sunny at first with a chance of murder. And when we ran out the house, the sun had hidden behind the clouds. As we ran up the street, the people who were familiar with us kept screaming, Y'all little brother down that shot. The closer we got, the faster my heart raced. And once we made it down the hill on 110th and Nairbrook, I seen them land in the middle of the street and I responded. D-Thang! I screamed multiple times but to no avail. He didn't respond. Capo lost his mind at the scene and was taken into custody. My auntie kept trying to keep us calm but we weren't manageable by far. I couldn't believe reality came and hit me this quick. We did a lot of things in the streets but majority of the time D-Thang wasn't involved. So I couldn't help but feel responsible for his death. This city no love for real. That was a thoughtful piece, but before we get into it, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Tot, spelled T-A-T. And I'm Tot. I want to talk about your piece. My question is, what emotions went through your head while writing your piece? My emotions were mixed as I wrote the piece, uh, due to the fact I had time to think of the incident again. Originally, I was hurt all over and felt anger burning inside. It still hurts. But I know he wouldn't want me out hunting for his murderer two years later. Besides, I had some refining to do to myself before I was able to freely speak about it. Now, instead of dying for him, I lived. After the incident with your cousin, did that change how you lived on a daily basis? Yeah, it did. It created like a state of paranoia that I never experienced before. I ain't trust nobody. It felt like I wasn't, if I wasn't with my homies or something, then I couldn't go outside, or if I wasn't around a gun. My adrenaline rushed when I woke up, when I took the trash out, when I cut the, when I cut the grass, just thinking like, I'm, it's my turn next. Fireworks too, he's like gunfire. So I was always like, just paranoid, just thinking like somebody out to get me. Overall, it wrecked me and created like an imbalance. I say like a mental imbalance, mental emotional imbalance. Okay, I know you mentioned paranoia. So would you say it's kind of like PTSD in a way? Definitely. So Taco, can you kind of explain what PTSD is to those who don't know? Well, to my knowledge, it would be when you are a part of a traumatic experience and it has an effect to you. So something like, let's say, a war? Or a tragic death, anything of some sort. But you know what's crazy? I know somebody very well who has PTSD. Do you? I do. His name is Cornell Ridington, and he's my father. He's an Army veteran who served in the Gulf War, and he has stage 2 PTSD. Stage 2? So PTSD comes in stages? I guess so. He's going to talk about it right now. Yes, I've been diagnosed with, uh, according to the VA, um, stage two PTSD. Um, they come in different stages. Um, stage, <clears throat> excuse me, stage three is more of a serious um, stage of PTSD. That's when um, most soldiers are suicidal and take their lives. Okay. So I'm like in between the stage. Okay. Some of the symptoms is uh, depression, um, anxiety. Another one is um, that I'm having is uh, I forget things sometimes. I have reoccurrences 
of what took place during my golf board tour and just, you know, trying to cope with it. Okay. Um, how do you cope with it? Um, most of the time I cope with it is um, one of the things is uh, family. Family is big. They help, they help me deal with, you know, um, some of the things that I be going through, like my depression part. Sometimes I got to have time to myself. So when you see me, like, go off on my own and just be by myself, I need time to gather myself. Kind of ignore me in a way. Oh, not ignore <laughs> me. It's just that I just need that time uh. to gather myself. Also, um, riding my motorcycle. You know, I got that time where, you know, when you're riding the motorcycle, it feels like you're free. So it's like you don't have anything around you protecting you. You just have the, the elements of nature just surrounding you in the air. And you just, man, it just takes off a lot of stress. So... We wanted to talk to a professional to give us a better understanding of what PTSD is and why it goes unnoticed in the black community. Yes, so we talked to Dr. Inger Burnett Ziegler. Dr. Inger Burnett Ziegler is a licensed clinical psychologist who earned her doctorate in clinical psychology from Northwestern and now serves as an assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences. PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder and it's a disorder that people may or may not experience after they've been exposed to a traumatic event. So a traumatic event could be something like um, being assaulted, it could be being raped, it could be being robbed, it could be witnessing gun violence, it could be going off to war, being in a car accident. There's a whole range of traumatic events that somebody can experience. And then weeks or even months after that event, people might start to notice changes in their thinking and in their and how they feel. Um, they might be kind of more worried that something bad is going to happen to them again. They might find themselves being irritable, on edge, really nervous or jittery. They might find themselves thinking about the event all the time, something we call reliving it. So they may like be visualizing it in their minds all the time or having nightmares about the event. Or they might feel like really just emotionally numb, like they just kind of check out, like nothing affects them at all. So those are the key characteristics of PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. Thank you, Dr. Burnett Ziegler, for helping us understand the symptoms a little bit more on PTSD. I myself experienced these same symptoms in our communities being from Roseland. Walking down the strip, you see things such as prostitution, drug dealers, drug users, the police ready to harass the drug users and the drug dealers. All of this happening while kids are just being released from school on their way home. It's just, it's just traumatic. In Taco, I could agree with that. Me living in Ambergresham, every time I hear fireworks, I kind of second guess. I think they're gunshots. And also, coming home, I hate walking down 79th. It's just like a, oh, am I going to get shot? So I always walk down 82nd. While I was in school, I experienced a shooting of my classmate, Dariana Smith. 
Father Michael Flager rallies with members of St. Sabina Church to demand violent street offenders leave their neighborhood. You don't own Auburn Gresham. You don't run nothing in Auburn Gresham. Get the hell out of Auburn Gresham. The group gathered at 79th and Paulina. That's where 18-year-old Dariana Smith was standing yesterday with a 23-year-old man when police say people inside a Nissan drove by and started shooting. The man was hit in the foot. Smith was hit in the chest and later died. The young lady getting ready for graduation. The young lady who should be picking out her dress to go to prom. Murdered by some punks and some cowards in this corner. I heard about that. Tell me more, Todd. Well, she was coming home from softball practice and she was involved in the drive-by shooting and her life was taken. I know that had to be just traumatic for you and all your fellow students, your classmates. Yes, it was actually, you know, especially for me, because I lived so close to that area where she was shot. I didn't want to take the bus. I didn't want to leave the house. I didn't want to walk down 79th due to that. I know how you feel. It, it kind of reminds me of the same thing I shared with you earlier. You also uh, talked to somebody else who, was, who went through that experience with you as well, right? Yes, my teacher, Kimberly Randall. Well, I know her as Miss Randall. She's a former teacher of mine at CICS Ralph Ellison High School, and she's worked with students who experience PTSD. Specifically, she was at my school when Dariana Smith was killed and talks about the impact that violence had on her students. So the entire vibe that day was off. And for me, this was a student who I taught when, I, when she was a freshman, who I'd known for four years, who I had just seen earlier, you know, that previous day or the day she she was shot, you know, I was joking with her and laughing with her and everything. And so the moment you enter the building, you could just feel this, just this heaviness. Even er, that early in the morning, there were already, you know, kids crying in the hallway, kids crying in the bathroom. And then as the day went further and further, things even went further than I ever thought that they would. One of the students made the unfortunate choice of saying F that particular student who passed, which sent basically the entire school into a tailspin with multiple people trying to fight that student, you know, yelling and cursing in the hallway, more tears, more crying, just the heaviness of the day and the emotions and, you know, people kind of, you know, thinking over their their friendships with her or lack of friendships with her. It just became almost a free-for-all in, in certain ways. We shouldn't be burying teenagers and we shouldn't be, she said we shouldn't have to mourn their friends and people of their own age. People shouldn't be dying that young. You know, it's hard to look at a student and try to explain why these things happen and why did that happen to her and and have to try to teach students how to deal with that kind of senselessness that I think as a nation we're kind of growing accustomed to. And so sometimes we don't have the answers or the resources, and I think a lot of that kind of contributes to developing a mental illness or not even, you know, or just PTSD in general. I'm someone who has post-traumatic stress disorder from a car accident back in 2012. And one of the hardest things is to try to deal with the loss of control of your life and feeling safe and feeling secure. And, you know, when, when Dariana passed, I think, you know, it's not just one person feeling it. You have hundreds of people within one building feeling it. In addition to whatever tra traumas they already came to school with that they had already met in their own young lives, and it just amplified everything. And so that day, you know, was a, it was a hard, hard day. I could agree. It was a bad day, but the school did a 
great job with helping us by providing comfort dogs and grief counselors, but it's sad that everybody in my community don't have those resources. I didn't have those resources at first, but it took a while for me to actually go actively get help after the death of my cousin because I I found out I was myself diagnosed with PTSD due to the fact that when I would take out the trash, like I mentioned earlier, I would be looking over my shoulder worrying about being shot. If I walked to the corner store, I worried about being shot or just going anywhere and seeing a, na a rival gang member, just, just worrying about being shot just anywhere. So I was basically living with a, a sense of fear. I'm not gonna lie, after the incident, I didn't wanna hang out how I used to hang out. I wanna go straight home after school. I didn't wanna take the 79th bus to go to the mall. So what did you do to help you deal with that? Like, you know, let others know, even let me know what did you do to help solve that? Or if you're still going through it, helping you solve it? Noticing after, after the death of my cousin, I seen my attitude or my anger was, was easily triggered. So I started seeing that instead of building bridges with people I'm meeting, I was burning them and even with my family members and things like that. So I was just just destroying everything that I touched or encountered with. So it, it just got so out of control to the point where I felt like it was a problem with me or it, was, it wasn't something right with me. Something was imbalanced in, inside me and I needed, I didn't like the feeling that I was getting. I, don't, I wasn't liking to be angry all the time or just being paranoid or depressed, having nights being depressed, can't sleep. Things like that, just all type of symptoms that made me wonder because I never thought like I, I could go to therapy. What actually helped me was the fact that I met Brother Ben instructor Ron Mary Jo Barrett. They pressed the issue with therapy on me and we had countless sessions. The main thing I used to cope was a lot of therapy services. Our next guest is Rob Fry and Taco, you know him very well? Yes, I do. I refer to him as my instructor, Rob. He's currently spearheading a movement in Chicago's urban environments called Pride Rock, creating a counter-science to the constructed demise of our communities. He also shares his thoughts and years of studies touching on the cultural biases against therapy and the lack of awareness in our own black community. Most of the clinics and, and the work that we get in our medical uh, industry, or the one that serves us, are for reasons of trauma or absolute must deal with situations. We broke arm, we got a scratch, we got shot, whatever is immediate that we have to deal with. So if we lose our minds, okay, we run down the street talking to ourselves, then somebody say, that guy needs therapy. Not the guy that's carrying a gun and feel like he needs to carry a gun because he's feeling threatened, or the guy that's shooting at another guy, that's a greater sign than somebody talking to themselves. That person needs therapy. They, 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 something happened to them, they felt they need to carry the gun. Something happened to them, they feel like they need to kill that guy on the other side. I mean, there's rape that happens. There's all kind of stuff that we don't go to therapy for. And it is a, it's not the necessarily the financial resource. It's the, the resource of knowledge. If we had self-awareness, we'd understand how brain development works. And the frontal cortex is never even fully developed until you're 20-something years old. That's why insurance company and their rates go down after 25, because they feel like you're fully developed 
adult once you reach 25. So imagine being eight and your babysitter sexually abuses you or 12 and you see somebody get shot and murdered or 16 and the whole group beats you up to jump you in because you're trying to belong to somebody. Okay, so what we need to do is educate ourselves because there's no intention to educate us. Mm. I mean, we're talking 30, 40 years of the same thing in the communities we know. Obviously, since you've been born, 25 years it's been going on. And it's by no accident. So the number one thing we're trying to say is don't be, for one, scared to admit that you have PTSD. You're not crazy. Nothing is wrong with you. Just admit to it and accept it. And two, go to therapy. Seek that help. It's, I'm not going to say it's the easiest things to do, but I'm not going to say it's the hardest things to do at all. Just get help. Because it's not normal for us, let's say, me being from our progression, I hear a firework, and I think it's a gunshot. That's not normal. And I'm pretty sure that everybody who's from our progression can agree to that. Even Rosalind. Right, Taco? Yeah, in Rosalind, you can't even go to the... We can't sit at the park anymore and have cookouts or just just go for a walk with your son or anything like that. So it it's just a lot of a, a lot of violent violence going on because people aren't addressing themselves. And like Todd was saying, the the main message behind the the episode would be for you to really actively seek treatment regarding your PTSD, especially in Black communities because we're walking around not knowing that we're carrying this load on us and it's been generationally passed to us so we don't even know we born with the with the same traumas as the people who were here before us and it's just it's getting uh uh the topic is being brought up so much and the discussion is being brought to the table so this is a a, a great time for you to actively go out and seek help to get yourself in involved in some therapeutic service and there's no such thing as a white person thing we all suffer from depression anxiety ptsd and now there's no race that comes with having a mental illness or having PTSD. So get out that mindset and go get help. Even I need help. But what I'm doing is, one, I'm going off to school and I'm leaving Chicago for a little bit. And two, oh, and I pray every day before I leave the house. Yeah, it may sound like grandmotherly, but I feel like it makes me comfortable and I feel safer doing that every morning. What do you do? Well, I don't pray which is something I should do, but I just feel like it's sad that you even have to do that before you leave out the house, not knowing if it'll be your last time leaving home or being able to come back home. So that itself, that in itself is a traumatic experience. So just like Todd was saying, she need help, I need help, we all need help. So go actively seek help. I'm Tak. And I'm Tak spelled T-A-T. And T-A-K. And together we are T. Hey, thanks for listening to Complicating the Narrative Podcast, and we hope you like this episode. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and many more. Complicating the Narrative Podcast is brought to you by Contextos. Contextos uses the power of personal narrative to promote healing, reflection, and foster critical thinking and dialogue to provoke systemic change. <laughs>